I want to begin today by saying that we cannot imagine what it's like to give um, a life in service for our country and to do that every day knowing that you could be called up at any moment uh, to go into a dangerous circumstance is unimaginable. Um, if you've given thought to the life of soldiering, you've also thought what the other end of that looks like, the family members uh, that with uh, sometimes unbearable emotion uh, think about their loved one who is put in that position on a daily basis. And so we do just want to take a moment and just honor those that lost their lives, uh, providing for the freedoms uh, that you and I have such a luxury to live out. And um, so on behalf of every family in this church, if you um, have lost someone in military service, we honor you today. We honor them today, and we remember um, with great clarity a lot of sacrifices that were made so that we can continue to stand in places like this of worship and just experience great freedom. Amen? Amen. Um, uh, something that I want to make mention of this morning before I jump into the message, and it's embarrassing that I even bring this up, so I apologize to you, but we have been having some light issues these are not uh, people taking pictures of me during the service. Um, these are just flashing lights, okay? And we are working hard to get that resolved. Uh, we thought we had it fixed, but this is about week three of just sudden bursts and flashes. Uh, and uh, we apologize to you, okay? I've got people that have started to ask about it. And um, so I just want to take a moment and embarrassingly mention it and apologize to you. We're working hard on getting it done. This lighting system is very expensive, and um, that means that very few people know how to work on it, okay? And so, uh, but we are desperately trying, but I owe you an apology for the distraction, and so please, please forgive Last week, we started a series called Parables, and that series is going to run through uh, Father's Day uh, for us. And we're just going to be talking uh, the next several weeks about the stories that Jesus decided was important to teach. And so we're going to look at why was it important for them then and why is it important for us now um, uh, a lot of times, you know, when we talk about this, we talk about the red red letter uh, series uh, because it's what Jesus talked about. And in some of your Bibles, the words of Jesus are in, in red. And so that's going to be our focus for the next several weeks. And I started the parable of the seed. I had four very distinct points, and I made it through one because I'm long-winded like that. And so today I'm going to finish what I talked about last week. And so if you were not here last week or you had a long week and your memory has already forgot what we talked about, I'm going to give you just a quick recap and then I'm going to get into the new material. But I need to build a little bit of this out because if you weren't here last week, uh, you're going to be really confused as to where I am. So we started with Colossians chapter 3 last week, and I'm going to read it again, but verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, okay? And we talked about this word dwell mean to make a home. Let, let the words 
of Christ make a home in you. And this word richly has nothing to do with wealth. It has everything to do with, with the word abundance or greatly, okay, or in great quantity. So it's saying, let the words of Christ make a home in you until you are basically flooding over with them. Let, let them make a place in your life to where they're pouring out of you greatly or richly, abundantly. And then we talked about how in Luke 8 and verse 8, and I'm reading from the ESV, but it, when Jesus used parables at one place or another, he would say this. He would say, he who has an ear, let him hear. And the premise of that was not, not only him calling them to attention like, hey, listen up, but we kind of drilled down a little bit last week and talked about this could mean that we can have ears to hear and not hear. That we can come and experience church or life group or be with a friend or be in your personal study. And you have the ability, but for a host of reasons, you're just not hearing what God is saying. And the Greek language uh, clarifies two different types of hearing. One of them was conversational, like you and I sitting down, having coffee, and I equated this to prayer. As in, I'm talking some to God, and then I'm waiting to listen to hear what I feel and sense in my spirit, and I'm communicating back. But then there's a second kind of listening described in the Greek language that is solely for the purpose of learning, for change, for the ability of me going, I'm not going to speak right now. I'm just going to try to tune in and listen for the point of learning. And this is really what this meant when he was saying, hey, listen up. It's time for me to talk, for you to listen so that I can reveal something to you and that you might be changed. And so we kind of landed with that, like if we're not changing, if we're not growing, it's certainly not a problem with his word, it's a problem with our hearing. And so we kind of started to confront that in our own lives, and I want to read this parable again that I read last week so that you know how Christ himself is trying to talk this out. It's brilliant. It's a great example. It's very relevant. And so I want to read that again in Luke chapter 8 if you're following me or you have an app or you have an actual Bible in your hand. Those are becoming rare. And so, yeah, if you have that, you can turn. And if you're in the maps area, you need to go left. Okay, and if you're around Genesis, turn right. Okay, but um, Luke chapter eight, verse four. Let's start there. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable: A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on on the rock. This is verse six, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, and then he's going to go on in verse 11, and he's going to clearly explain what this means to us. The parable is this. This is Jesus talking. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. 
then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So obviously, the seed represents the word, and the dirt is the human condition. Now, this is the angle that we talked about last week, because it's not personality types. And I've been guilty of of this myself, is to take this parable and preach it for many, many years as to say this is a, a personality type, meaning you have a tendency to be calloused. Or you have a tendency to be shallow. Or you have a tendency to be great soil. But no, this could be, this is types of soil, not types of personality. And the types of soil could be a season that any or all of us can experience from time to time. So there are moments and seasons when each of us have the opportunity to be calloused. When all of us have the opportunity to be shallow. When all of us have the opportunity to be among thorns, and we have to be very careful as to what we are doing with the dirt that represents our heart, that represents our own condition. And so the significance found in this early on is this. The seed is the same, but the dirt is different. And so when we look at this parable and we really want to explore it, we have to ask the question, what kind of soil do I have? Where am I at? What's the condition of the dirt right now in my life? Am I receptive? Am I calloused? Am I among thorns? Am I a rocky place? Or am I really good soil that's being tender and sensitive to the voice of God in my life? This is a very significant question. I would say that that this question in some form is even asked by the unbeliever at the point of receiving salvation. When they say, what kind of life am I living? What have I become? What's the condition of my own heart? And suddenly through the work and revelation of the Holy Spirit, they don't like it. And so as the Holy Spirit shines light on them, they make the choice to receive the greatest gift of all. The seed is the same. The dirt is different. So these types of soil, again, are not personality types. They are possibilities. And they're possibilities that we can all find ourselves in at some season. So here's where we ended last week, and then I'm going to go on to new content. We ended with this. The success of the seed has everything to do with where it lands. So the emphasis of this parable is that the landing spot is the absolute most important thing. Jesus is not talking about the potency of seed. 
He's not talking about how, how the seed has, you know, comes to different people in different ways. No, he's talking about the landing spot is the most significant part of the story. Full faith is put into the, the seed. Full faith is put into the sower. Well, the problem lies is the recipient, the person who's getting it. And so if you're here today, and I know I use this language often, but if you're here today and you feel stuck, like you just feel like in your walk with Christ you're not gaining traction, you're not, you're not gaining more, you're not growing anymore, you look, kind of look back and you're, you kind of have a stagnant feel, that what, what once was maybe a lot of fire is no longer fiery. This may be the exact reason, the condition of, of, of the soil, okay? So this is a great opportunity and a great day for us to look at, at these things. So we talked about the first type of soil last week, which was about having a calloused heart, about seed going onto the footpath, and that footpath being trampled. And we compared that to, to life traffic, and our experiences of life creating a calloused feel over our entire lives. So let me move on to the next type of soil before I preach that all again, because I just I had a lot of fun last weekend, obviously. The second big question to ask in this parable is this. It's not, is your heart calloused? It's, is your heart shallow? Shallow. Now, Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, he describes this, and he says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word of the word with joy when they hear it. Okay, so they they've they've heard the word, it's good news, it excites them, they're loaded again with hope, um, they're excited about the future, they're not fearful of eternity. These are things that come when we receive the true word. And he's saying, these people on the rock have done that. They've received it. They're, they're getting joy from this word. But they have no root. And he goes on to say, they believe it for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. Three things immediately stand out in this particular verse. And it's this. Number one... We're dealing with a soil that has rock within it, and therefore a root system is not able to develop. So it makes it very, very shallow. And so what what may happen is you have this instant burst of growth, life happens, but those roots are not able to get down deep into the soil to where it can withstand. So there's a shallow root. They believe it for a while, so it's temporary. And it says, and in time of testing, they fall away. No root, temporary belief, and they're failing tests. So uh, oftentimes, I think you'll find this in either people who are young believers and sometimes you'll find this in people who are, are now exhausted 
and they've depleted their level of knowledge in Christ, and where they are, they're heavily plateaued. And so it's like, this is all that I can grow, because that's as far as this root system will, will, will take me. And the rough part about this, and you've heard me say this many, many times over the past five years, is we love being a place where unchurched and de-churched people want to come. And so unchurched is, is very simple. But de-churched, I've had people say, what, what does that even mean, de-churched? So it means that at one point you had someone who was heavily connected, believed in, in the local body, may have served, may have given, may have had even a ministry gift that was in, in place, that was helping to edify and grow this body, and then they're, they're now no longer plugged in for whatever reason. And so it's those people that right now who are at home and could be here with us that is a passion for me. To ask them why, why this de-church status? Come on back. Come on back in. But what happens is a lot of times with de-church people, it falls into this second problem. They believe it for a while until there's an actual fight for the faith. If you read Scripture, you see that there's a lot of biblical characters who we love who've gone through this same thing. They believed it for a while. They were there. They saw it. They experienced it. They received it with joy. But the minute Christ asked them to commit, to leave something and follow, to take it to the next level, the rich young young ruler, listen, sell all you got, come follow me. That's okay, I'm out. Believed it for a while. Judas, no, he's so controversial. Believed it for a while? I don't know. Peter, when he denied, how deep did that go in his life? We don't know. Only God knows those things. But we know that it's, it's a challenge and a struggle. They believe it for a while. And it says, but in times of testing, they fall away. This can be a person who comes to church and says, this is great. And they sprout up and they're very zealous. And they want to do a lot and be a lot. And that, that's all great. But many times that zeal is superficial. It's surface level. It's centered around good times and goosebumps. And as long as, as the church can keep providing that, they're in. You keep giving us goosebumps, you keep giving us good times, you keep letting momentum roll, then we're in. But when the goosebumps fade, then I'm gonna I'm gonna start start waning. Because it's superficial, but it's not transformational. I was talking to my cousin via text last night, and he's at a school of ministry, and 
And he said to me, I said, how, how's it going? How, how are things? You know, it's so good to hear from you. What's happening? And he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. This has been transformational for me. And I said, how so? And he said, oh, I've been a Christian as long as I, I can remember. Raising church the same way I was. But he said, this has really been the first time in my life that I have been 100% dependent upon God for everything. And it has transformed my life. And he used this word. He said, I feel like my other experiences with church now have been so superficial. Like I do them as a handout to the local church. Like here, let me throw you a bone. Instead of saying, I'm in this. Like this is, this is my life. I believe in what's going on. It's transformational. This verse reminds us all that goosebumps will not get us through. That feeling good and feeling great, even though that's a gift from God, will not get you through. Well, this parable says in the times of testing, this could really be endless scenarios. Endless. Some of you are parenting right now. And you are being tested. You are in a parenting process and you feel like you are losing your mind. Can I get an amen? Okay, there you go. You're at a time of testing. Some of you are trying to find Christian people to marry and you are being tested. You want to tether your heart to another person who believes just as much as you do that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you're being tested. Some of you are having a conflict with what you believe. And you are being tested. Some of you just graduated high school or college and you're trying to find your future and you're being tested. What does that look like? And suddenly it's like for the first time in your life or the first time in a long time, like you are having to take your hands off the steering wheel and lean back into the strength of God and it is so uncomfortable to you. To trust the Lord to, to give you wisdom as a parent. Or to give you insight as a student. Or to lead you to the right person. And it's so uncomfortable, this out-of-control feeling of just, of just leaning back and resting in Him. And so what often happens is like this person that he's talking about, this, this type of soil... In the time of testing, they fall away. And sadly, this happens for us, and hear me, and every church. And it's one of the saddest things as a pastor. Because you'll look around and you realize people are gone. And you'll call them and they'll go, I've been gone three months. Well, what happened? And the answers that you get 
are just terrible to your heart. Well, you know what? I lost my job. And I prayed for another one, and one didn't, didn't come. God didn't answer. So why should I? And then the story unfolds. We were coming to church. We went to re-engage. We were in a life group. And I got served divorce papers this week. And that's why we're no longer there. And the story unfolds. And in a time of testing, I can't tell you how many times it's sad when people will lose a loved one and that removes them from God rather than drawing them closer to Him. It's like because I'm experiencing pain, then God hurt me. God did this. In a time of testing, I fall away from it. That once the pressure's on, it's like everything, everything my life was built on is a house of cards. That in the time of testing, it's wiped out, gone. I don't, have, I don't have the faith anymore. I don't have the strength anymore. I don't have the endurance anymore because I'm parenting, because I'm trying to find a mate, because I'm trying to find a future, because I waved goodbye to somebody. The time of testing, they fall away. And I want to pause there for just a second, and I want you to really, really sense that. Because it's in times of testing that we have the opportunity to grow closer to God, to get a revelation of what He's wanting to teach us and show us, reveal to us in a very, very difficult, stressful time. Is your heart shallow? James 1, I'm going to end in this point before I preach it my whole time and end up in the same boat, part 3 next week. James 1 tells us this, verse 2 and 3. He says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, any kind of trial. For you know that the testing of your faith, watch this, produces steadfastness. I mean like a tree planted by the water. The wind can blow, storms can come, you can give it your best shot, but when everything is said and done, I will not be moved. Steadfastness. I am in this, it's my life, it's my race, it's my journey, and there may be some, some hard potholes and some, some issues in, in this road that I'm, I'm, I'm on, but it's mine. It's my story. And that's just part of it. But I will finish this thing. If there's one thing that sticks out to me when I read about Paul and his, his writings is this. It makes no difference how I start, but it makes a ton of difference how I end it. And so the story is just part of it. But we've got to cross the finish line well. We've got to hit, hit the tape with our chest out, full of joy by various trials, okay? Third, or in this 
case second. Here's the, here's the last question I want to ask today. Is your heart distracted? Okay, I think this is so good for the postmodern church. Is your heart distracted? I don't know about you, but I feel more distracted in everyday life than I ever have. I mean, it's like so many things pulling at us, pulling at your attention, wanting your time, wanting your energy, wanting your thought life. In Luke chapter 8, when he's talking about this, he says this, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, thank God for that, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Now, I want to cut off the end of that because I don't have time to preach it, but I want, I want to go back and read that again because I'm going to focus on just the first part. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares of this life. How many of you care about something in this life? Raise your hand high. Okay. Come on, hold, hold it up, all across. You care about something. Yeah. We are designed to care about things and people and even sometimes perceptions. We care. I guarantee you, 20% of you looked in the mirror before you came to church this morning. Why? Because you care about what you look like. You care about your kids. You care about how you're perceived. You care about how when you get older and you can't provide, do you have enough to live off of? You care about these things. We care. And he says you are choked by the cares of this life. And I don't want us to confuse today being knocked down with being choked out. Because all of us have got some knocked down that's happened in our lives. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you've never been knocked down, you will. There will be a time in your life when the breath has been snatched out of you and you feel knocked down. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about being choked out. Knocked down can be instantly. Choked out, hear me, is time. It's time. This is how sometimes you look back on your life and go, how did I get here? Like, like this is not me. I don't know why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, doing the stuff I'm doing. What has happened to me? Choked out. Every day a little less life. Every day a little less joy. Every day a little less meditation with God. Every day a little less hearing. Until one day you realize that you have been choked out. Unlike other types of soil, this is not about being hardened or being shallow. This is about being distracted. Like I'm looking around at my life and I'm just distracted. 
Okay, and I wish I had, I got 50 seconds, but I'm, I'm going to ignore that. But I feel like what, <laughs> I ignore that every week. Why do we even use that thing? And so I think what happens with us in this, in this age, we are stricken with envy because we are ultra connected, but not connected at all. Like we got access to know what happened in, in some random city, thousands and thousands of miles from us right now. But we can't even make it to life group on a Tuesday night. And we look around and we say, well, I, I want, you know, we're looking at our phone. We're like, I want that. I want that. And I want that. And with every swipe of the thumb, you see a picture of a life that doesn't look anything like yours. Let me give you a great bit of, 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 of insight. Those pictures aren't their life either. <laughs> it's called staging. <laughs> okay. Envy. And because of envy, we're distracted. And because of envy, we are no longer, here's, here's a word that I'm trying to fight for in my life, content. Like, like I'm okay with where I'm at right now on my journey. That I'm not envious of other things or people or places or anybody else's experience. I'm not trying to hijack somebody else's story. I want to be content with where the Lord has me right now at this place in time and fight to be present in that. To give my heart and mind permission to not be envious. Because, listen, there's only going to be two things happen when that, when that happens. If I look at Joe Lake's life, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to envy him or I'm going to invest in him. I'm going to want what he has or I'm going to want to give more of that. But this, this envy, this lack of contentment, it's caused this, this cloud of, of distraction. It's like we're never really here. I wonder if the Lord just pulled back the layer this morning over us and let us see with spiritual eyes how many of us are actually here. That'd be interesting to me. How many are actually here? So I have a very theological question. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? With an S, weeds. Some of y'all are thinking, well, you got to have a UV light. And gotta... Conditions got to be right. Got to live in Colorado. Weeds. So that's going to make this second statement pretty comical. Some of you think you have a soil problem, but you really have a weed problem. Okay? I can go two routes with that. Which one you guys want? Okay, which one you want? <laughs> weeds are a sign of slacking. We look around our life and we see weeds. It's one issue, really, neglect. And I want to close with this. Zach, if you'll come on. In 1945, 
there were three very energetic young men hitting the ministry scene. And you know that in 1945, for someone to be heard about all across the country, it was pretty significant. All three of these men were in their mid-20s, and they were all having some success. Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford were two of those three. They were brilliant communicators. Templeton was being referred to as the most talented speaker in the United States. And in 1946, the National Association for Evangelicals published an article listing individuals who had dynamic ministries in the five years previous, and Templeton was a major profile in that. He was in his mid-20s. Braun Clifford was also making significant headlines. He spoke during a chapel service at Baylor University, and the president quickly ran and said, I want all the bell system to be shut down because I don't want this guy to get interrupted. At the age of 25, Clifford set more attendance records than any other speaker in American history. They were truly phenomenal people. But something happened, and if you've read this, it it makes your heart sad. In 1950, just five years after that article was written, Chuck Templeton left the ministry forever. He never came back. Why? Because he made a public declaration and said, I don't believe any of this anymore. And he walked off. Bron Clifford's story is nothing short of tragic too. In 1954, just nine years after an incredible rise, he left his wife, his two kids, alcohol gripped his life, and he was found dead in a motel room in Amarillo, Texas. I bring this up to say this. Soil matters. It matters. The dirt that you and I are calling the human condition is important. What we have, what we're responsible for cultivating and prepping, and being intentional with. And you know there's only one soil left, and it's the good soil. And the good soil was was this. It's, It's a great discipline that's been prepped to receive the Word of God, but it doesn't stop there. Those with good soil have prepared their lives in such a way that they have carefully cut away all of the potentials. They are constantly guarding the condition of the soil in in their life. I don't want to be shallow. I don't want to be calloused. I don't want my life to be full of thorns where God speaks to me and it gets choked out. I don't want the tests and trials of life to come and it completely change who I am. No. Those with good soil are, are constantly cultivating. They're turning over the soil. They're constantly massaging it, and they're constantly asking the Holy Spirit, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. This was David's prayer when he says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. 
keep me sensitive. Keep me in a place where you can talk to me. Keep me in a place where you can teach me. Keep me in a place where I lower myself before you. This is what we have to fight for as followers of Jesus. To not be pulled away. To not be callous. To not let thorns come in our life. But to get rid of that junk. And sometimes this means to repent. Sometimes it means to confess it before God. Sometimes this this means that we just get still and let God do open heart surgery on us. So whatever type of soil that we are in, may God forbid that we end up like Clifford or Templeton. And in two or three years from now, we're de-churched people. But that we stay in our belief for the local church and our love to follow Jesus Christ. And that that soil type within us stays supple and overturned and constantly, even in hard times, becomes a place where the seed of, of, the, of the Word can be dropped into our lives. Amen? Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me just really quick this morning. And I want to talk to you and you say, Kevin.